And that's my intention. My goal is to help. I see the potential in someone and that can be artistic and that can be vocal. And, and then I'm going to help them see that. And then there's a new potential after that. And I'm going to help lead them there. And my goal is to help someone have a fulfilling experience as an artist and a fulfilling life. So that involves not just vocal technique. You know, that's really having a life that they enjoy and enjoying what they're doing. And so I'm a very holistic kind of coach. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. You are tuned into the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. My name is Bree Noble, and I've got a great interview coming up on the show today with Wendy Parr. She is a vocal coach of some artists that I know you'll recognize. She specializes in artist development, and she is generally a fantastic inspirer of creatives in general. And we'll get to that interview in a minute, But first, I want to tell you about something really cool. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me mention our sponsor, Studio Sweden Headphones. I'm extremely proud to have them sponsor this show, not only because they make a great product, but because they are innovators, because they're trying to bring together the world of headphones in a way that no one else has. If you've noticed, like sometimes You try to buy headphones and there's these really cool looking headphones, but they actually don't sound that good. Or these headphones that sound amazing and they've got all the technology you want, but they're not really at all stylish. They are trying to bridge that gap. They're trying to bring together the technology and the fashion. And they really have done that in their line of headphones. Their headphones are all wireless and they do work with Bluetooth devices, but you do have the ability to connect a cord if you want to actually use them as corded headphones. They're so versatile and I use them all the time, whether I'm on the go or I'm here in my studio recording. They are the perfect companion for all things audio. So I highly recommend you check them out at studiosweden.com. That's S-U-D-I-O, Sweden.com. And you don't just have to be in Europe to take advantage of this. They have free worldwide shipping. So this is open to all of you, everyone that's listening right now. Go to studiosweden.com. Check out how cool they look, and I can attest to how great they sound, and consider them as a great Christmas gift for somebody that you love or maybe yourself. Now, I can't wait to share this interview with you. Let me tell you a little bit about Wendy Parr. Wendy Parr is an award-winning songwriter and one of the country's top vocal coaches, sought out by artists, managers, labels, and producers worldwide. She has coached Regina Spector, Sarah Bareilles, Anna Taroja, Mandy Gonzalez, and A Great Big World. Man, some of my most favorite artists. Working with them from the first voice lesson to a Grammy Award, and with over 27 years of experience, Wendy is an artist, coach, mentor, vocal producer, and songwriter 
whose passion supports the artist's spirit, providing excellent technique for the purpose of authentic artist expression. Her work allows artists to develop and sustain their signature unique style. Wendy has led seminars, events, and the Artist Circle by Wendy Parr in New York, Los Angeles, Nashville, Atlanta, London, New Zealand, Russia, Australia, Liverpool, Argentina, Uruguay, India, and more. Here is my interview with Wendy Parr. So that's a little bit about Wendy Parr. So Wendy, let our listeners know a little bit, you know, maybe something more personal about you, something that makes you unique, something that maybe we won't learn from your bio. Uh, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, personal about me. Well, I lived in India for half the year for three years. And that's very cool. Yeah, it, it, it was very cool. I miss it a lot. Um, I'm just, I'm the type of person that um, in, goes very deeply into things. Like I immerse myself in things when I want to experience or learn. So I tend to do those in three-year cycles. And musically, I've done that, where I've listened to only Latin music for three years. I've listened to only R&B music for three years. I listened to Indian music for three years. And then I'll go back to incorporating like, it's more like, oh, all of this has changed me and I incorporate it into my life. But like if you had met me during that time, I was wearing, you know, salwar kameez and singing in Hindi. And it's a long time since I've sung in Hindi or Urdu, but uh, that's something about me. I immerse myself very deeply and I'm very eclectic and a fan of culture. I love cultures and people and getting to know more deeply like what they're into and I am it, it, you know, it's always a part of my life in some way. I have a little tattoo on the side of my temple and it's the three dots of Lakshmi. And if you met me today, I don't look like I, you know, um, you know, all day long. Like I don't, I don't read that way from a hundred yards, but I've got a tattoo and it's changed my belief system and a lot of, you know, changed the way I live. So yeah, that's something. Wow. That, yeah, that is really neat and, and definitely unique. Are you in any particular immersion right now? Oh, that is a very good question. Well, <laughs> I just moved to Nashville. So I'm in the, I'm actually in the, I would say the non-immersion space, space of like everything's new and I'm just exploring what will be now. Mm. Yeah, where are you no originally from? I have no expectations. I don't, I have no plans past today, you know, except, oh. except what's on my calendar for, you know, October and December, but I don't have any plans. Like when I moved to New York, I'm from, born in Northern California, I was raised in Los Angeles and started coaching in Los Angeles and lived here for many years and then, and started working as a performer when I was eight years old, like professionally working. And then I moved to New York and lived there for 14 years. And when I moved to New York, I had I was like, I'm going to New York. I had no plans to ever leave. Um, and then now I'm in Nashville and I, I'm in LA regularly. I'm in Na uh, New York regularly coaching and I write, I co-write with people and, uh, and I work on different projects and I lead the artist circle. So I'm regularly in both cities, but I'm, I'm founded in Nashville now, which I'm really enjoying. Mm, that's awesome. I love, I, I would love to live in several cities, although it might be a pain to like, go back and forth and stuff, but I love having those different experiences mm -hmm. instead of just staying in one place. So where, where did you start performing when you were eight? Uh, 
see. I was doing commercials and voiceovers, uh, like Saturday morning um, Kellogg's commercials, cereal commercials mm. and stuff like that. You'd, my cousins would call me on from the East Coast on a Saturday. And say, Did I just hear you on the <laughs> this commercial? I think that was you, right? I was like, yeah, that was me. So, um, yeah, I did commercials. I did some TV. I performed, you know, at school, of course. And um, I was making original music by the, about the age of 10. And, you know, demos in those days were full records made in a recording studio, you know. Mm. Um, sometimes a piano vocal, but often it was like, it was a record, you know, ready to go. Um, and I used to rent the studio from midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, because that's when the rates were cheaper. And I'd go in and, you know, work on original music and record original music. Uh, when I was like 15, I was playing two or three nights a week, uh, performing with a trio doing jazz standards. And on the weekends, I was doing all the R&B showcases, things like that. Wow. So you were doing jazz standards and R&B showcases at the same time. So I, mm -hmm. I'm assuming your style is very eclectic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, at this point, I would say I'm very... Um, no, it's a good question. Like, I'm very soulful. I'm not an R&B singer, but I'm very soulful. Mm. Um, I have, I love polyrhythms, and I love, you know, writing and singing on the upbeat, you know. So, uh, but, and again, when I was doing jazz standards, by no means was I a jazz singer. Mm. Um, I would say I'm much more a pop singer with a little bit of country lilt in my voice and a lot of soul. And, you know, if you listen to Dolly Parton and a lot of country, they're, they're kissing cousins to R&B. That is true. That is yeah. true. Yeah. So did you have a path for yourself as an artist or did you more just go straight into the coaching side? Oh, no, I was, I was an artist first. I, was, um, I had no idea I was going to be a coach. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Uh, now I understand like, who I am. If you, you know, if you showed me how to fix a car, I'll be teaching somebody how to fix a car tomorrow. Like, that's, that's just who I am. I love passing on information and sharing things and hopefully improving people's lives. Um, but I had no idea I was going to be a coach. No, I was, I was planning on being a performer and a singer and um, songwriter. I got on stage a number of times with Patti LaBelle. And um, coaching happened when I was – well, first when I went to college, I went to NYU. And okay. I went, I went for acting. So – you know, my friends in, um, at school would do, like my friend, well, Michael, Michael Black is a very successful comedic actor and writer now, and they had a comedy troupe, and, you know, they would ask me to help out, like, oh, we're doing this musical thing. Can you, you know, help us do some harmonies? So I was always, at college, I was the singer, so people would ask me to help with things like that. And then a couple of times people asked me, you know, hey, can you help me work on this song? And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I don't know how to coach, but sure, I'll show you some things I know. I mean, I was just kind of giving tips or trying to be helpful, right? And then I left school and came back to LA because I was wondering why I was in school. I had been working. I'm like, why am I in class again? I've been working. Let's just go back to work. <laughs> so I did. I came back to LA and I did a musical at the Westwood Playhouse. And then I went on tour with a show for about three months singing. And, um, and then my vocal coach, who was a very famous and uh, vocal coach, Seth Riggs, he invited me to teach. He said, come teach. You know, you're going to work while you're working on your career. Um, you could, this is a good career job. You know, it's a good job and you help people. 
And I, I was like, I don't know how to teach. And he said, sure, sure you do. You know how your voice works. You know what we did to help you connect it. You can help other people. And so I did. I started coaching. I was 20 years old. I started coaching. And I was coaching people, you know, at that time, especially at that time, because there were no, there weren't really young, like Whitney Houston, when she came out, was really young for, for a singer to be singing. Like at that time, there weren't 12-year-old singers. You know, there weren't, right. she was 19. But she presented as being much older, right? So, um, so at that time, you know, I started coaching when I was twenty, and I was coaching people much older than I am, and Nancy Sinatra, who's amazing, and mm. um, and when I had questions, I'd walk next door to my coach and ask him. I was like, "I'm trying this, I'm doing that. You know, what what do you suggest?" And um, so I had I, I had the kind of career I apprenticed. You know, I apprenticed and learned my skill, and then started teaching it. And as a teacher, as a coach, I would say. Um, it's going on 27 years. Wow. I know. Where did that happen? And I really just discovered I love coaching. You know, it's a beautiful day outside. There's a million things you could be doing. So as a coach, I just discovered, you know, I would be flying across the world and getting off the plane and um, leading seminars. It'd be a beautiful day out and I could be doing anything, but someone asked for a session, I said yes. I was. I realized I just was putting a lot of energy into it because I really enjoyed it. Mm. So I was like, "You, you like this? You know, you really enjoy this?" Let's. And I, twenty-seven years happen really fast. And, um, That's the best when you find that thing where you're you don't even feel like you're working. No, it's really. I mean, it's such a pleasure to help people be able to do. Uh, well, as Regina, I've been working with Regina Spector for about fourteen years, and we were having dinner last night and. And saying, like, someone asked if we were family. And we were like, yeah, kind of, you know. <laughs> like, we're, you know, friends and family, family of friends. Because, I mean, I said, you know, I've, I've known you longer than most. Like, you were one of the first artists I worked with in New York. And I've known her for so many years. And something she said to me, which I really appreciated. She said, you know, I don't know if I've ever told you, Wendy, this. Because I tell other people this. Um, but you really showed me, you showed me parts of my voice I didn't even know were there. And you gave me access to things I didn't know were there. I was like, well, that's amazing. And that's my intention. My goal is to help. I see the potential in someone. And that can be artistic and that can be vocal. And, and then I'm going to help them see that. And then there's a new potential after that. And I'm going to help lead them there. And then my goal is to help someone have a fulfilling experience as an artist and a fulfilling life. So that involves not just vocal technique. You know, that's really having a life that they enjoy and enjoying what they're doing. And so I'm a very holistic kind of coach. It's very, it's a mental game. It's an emotional game. It's a physical game. It's not just technique because nobody cares if you're, in quotes, a great singer. Mm. No one goes to a concert to hear a great singer. That is so true. So was it always that or did you kind of move, you started out with just vocal coaching and move into more of that holistic and artist development and, you know, getting them to to be unique and and authentic and get past any fears that they have. Did that all kind of develop over time? Uh, I would say yes and no. It was definitely there from the beginning. I just didn't know it or I didn't maybe call it anything or, or something, but I mean, it's very much who I am. So for example, working with Nancy Sinatra, we were working on some material and we were working on a song that she'd been singing for 40 years. And she said, you know, I get kind of bored of this. It's been doing this song for 40 years. And I said, really? I have some ways to help you have more fun with this song again. 
And, uh, and I said to her, now, some of, some of what I'm about to show you or ask you to do might be very strange to you because I know you learn from the best stylist, right? You know, her father is known as, you know, amazing stylist. And maybe, I don't know, like, I don't know his, his toolkit. I was like, but maybe some things I'm going to tell you are going to be not what you're used to or what, you're, you're, what you've learned. So really from the beginning, I was doing stuff to help an artist explore what they do, expand their style, you know, sort of break. I think about it like stretching a sweater. You know, let's mm -hmm. stretch the sweater. Let's go past the sense of self that you currently have and discover what else is there. Because I think that as human beings, we all have, there's more in us than we realize, or we are more than what we think we are, because we all have a sense of who we are, right? And it's not actually true. It's our interpretation of the moment based on a lot of experiences, right? Right. You know, like some people, some people don't think they're beautiful. And 20 people could look at that person and say, what are you talking about? You're beautiful. And they're like, no, I'm not beautiful. But what if we can get them to see themselves in, in that way, then they could say, oh my gosh, yeah, look at that. I am beautiful. Right? Mm -hmm. that, that sense of self-expanding. So I've always done that. I'm just much more clear about how I do it and the tools I use to do it. And, and the way I do it has expanded a lot. I have meditations now on my website that I've created. And yes, when I started, I would never have guessed that I would ever do that in my life. <laughs> but anyone who knows me would be like, well, of course you made those, you know. But, you know, they know me now. So, yeah, I have meditations for pre-show or pre-any public speaking type of thing. I have them specifically for singers and then for any other type of performer. I, so I have a pre-show, which you can use before an interview, uh, going on stage, an audition. I have one that's specifically for communication and opening up the throat chakra to help people be less afraid and speak the truth and, and speak their heart. And then I have one for connecting to your desires and your dreams. And, Mm. help you recognize them and then and manifest them. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure that's really powerful, especially for doing right before you're going on stage. Yes. <laughs> Something you said about, you know, artists not realizing like what they have within them or uh, I always see this where artists, they don't think they're unique. They don't see anything different yeah. within themselves that they can share. Right. So you know, how do you help them bring out that uniqueness? What do you think makes an artist unique and how can they amplify and capitalize on that? That's great. That's a very good point. P people, that's very, a number one concern. Like, I just want to be unique. I'm like, well, you are. Like, just you having lived your life is unique. Hmm. Yeah. So but part of that process. So many people don't see that. They just think, I'm just so boring. Right, right, yeah. But then if you, if you ask questions about their life or their history or their experiences, you're like, well, that's far from boring. That's some cool stuff you've done and experienced and overcome. And um, how do I do that? So one of the things is, is really we start with the vocals, right? We're starting with the instrument of the voice. And your voice is the expression of who you are. Literally, like who you, you can't hide. Your voice, that's why it's so vulnerable. That's why it makes a lot of people nervous to sing. It's who you are. So um, the alignment and the way that your voice works, most people aren't singing in a way that, is, that matches the actual alignment of the instrument. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I think of it like tennis, you're doing a forehand, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk my way through this because since you can't see me. <laughs> but if you're doing a forehand, you, okay, we know what a forehand stroke looks like, right? You're, 
your elbow is kind of exposed forward. And okay, that's a forehead. Well, imagine someone's doing a forehead and they, they turn their arm, they turn their wrist, and now like the racket's pointing down. So they're doing this and they're saying, wow, the ball is not getting over the net and my shoulder kind of hurts. And I feel like my game's diminishing, right? And we were like, well, that's because you're not aligned. Like that's not what a forehand looks like. So let's get you using these muscles in the right uh, form, right? We, let's get alignment and form. And that's what we're doing with the voice. There's, there are four muscles inside there that need to work in harmony with one another. There's a muscle that, muscle that works when you're singing in your chest voice. And there's another muscle group that when we go into our middle and our head voice, that activates. Some people don't activate that muscle. So they're just overusing the chest voice. Or, or sometimes they'll lose the chest connection and they go and they start singing like this and then you have no bottom, right? So right. as I get the alignment happening and get this instrument functioning the way it's meant to function, we could look at that tennis stroke again and say, look at that. Now the ball is going over the net every time. And not only does your shoulder not hurt, but you're actually getting physically stronger. And once we're doing that, then we can aim the ball and then you could put top spin on the ball. You can um, master this simple, I'm going to say simple skill, but go from the basic forehand to mastering and doing more and more with this forehand. And that's what we do with the voice. So I'm with alignment, what starts to happen is things that were getting in your way as a singer and inhibiting your natural expression. I mean, natural is a weird word, but inhibiting your emotional expression and your personality. When those are out of the way, your personality and your emotions are coming out very freely. So now we start to get the who you are because the other stuff was limiting it. Mm. So that's one aspect, you know, that actually just aligning the voice, we start to get the truer expression of who you are. And then there's other things that singers have habits doing, right? Like sometimes some singers, um, they'll always take the melody down at the end of a line, or you always hold the last note of a line longer because it's, that's the, or you do the riff there because that's where it's easy. So let's say those are again, a bunch of different habits. And if you do this, or some people slide, like they'll slide their notes. They'll do like, um, well, she went and then away and he howled all the day. Like they do that all the time. So mm -hmm. do a set of seven songs and you do that in every song. They all just sound alike. Right. You're, you're actually losing the melody by doing that. So I pick out and point out these various habits that people are doing. And we start changing those habits. And again, instead of, oh, here are the six things that you do all the time unconsciously, you now actually have access to discovering other things and infinite possibilities of expression. And again, now your personality and your actual style starts to come out instead of a style of very few habits. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We don't yeah. want to stylize from limitation we want to clear the limitation and then come from a place of like true creation, total possibilities. Oh, I like that because I mean, singing like you just sang, that could be someone's signature a little bit, but if you overdo it, then that's your, you're like a one trick pony, right? Yep. And again, um, and, and again, we don't want a signature necessarily from limitation. And, right. and P.S., you won't lose the ability to do everything you can already do. <laughs> right. You won't suddenly be able to not do hold a note at the end of a line. So this is about let's add on and add on and on. And then you can always keep the things that you liked that you did from the start, but you'll actually do them all better. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So what are the, what are the common fears that you see that hold artists back? I know that you have different 
different master classes and programs that help you know overcome fears and mm-hmm. and what do you you know kind of lead them through to get past those? But like, what are the most common ones that you see? Well, the the most common one that a singer has is fear of sounding bad. Mm. Right. I want to. I'm afraid I'm going to sound bad. I'm going to crack. Whichever, whatever their version of bad is. Right. I'm going to crack, or I'm going to forget my words, or so. Sounding bad is the overall, and really, we have to be willing to sound really bad because it's. Um, if you're on stage afraid of sounding bad, you're not going to take any risks. It's very paralyzing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're just striving to be good. And if I let's just talk about that in your daily life. If I said to you for the rest of the day, I want you to look pretty. You have to look pretty. You have to look good for the whole rest of the day. Hmm. How would you feel going through your day? Paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. you'd, be, you'd be really stressed out. You'd be very self-conscious, right? You'd get tired. Like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I'm just trying to look good. Hmm. And, um, and, and what happens is, is you, you, this is the same as trying to sound good. You are denying yourself and everybody else, the audience, your friends, the other 99.9% of your personality. Mm. So your singing then becomes really restricted when you're trying to sound good. And that's not what you, were, that's not what you do at your home in your living room. That's not why you like another singer. They're not, trying, they're not sounding good. They're giving you their heart and soul. They're expressing themselves. They're sharing you, sharing their vulnerability with you. And that, tell me when that sounds good, right? Like it sounds amazing when somebody's vulnerability is there. But if you think about what it looks like when you're vulnerable and you know, you're crying and snot's coming out your nose and you're shaking because you're so like emotional and like as a human being, like when you get vulnerable, it's not pretty. It's beautiful is what it is because mm. an, uh, 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 an expressive soul is beautiful and it's really, it's a privilege to experience. But it's not pretty. Yeah, that is true. No one wins an Oscar being pretty. They win the Oscar for like you know, like I said, snot running down the nose and the heart on this is on the table and the it's bleeding in front of you. So, sounding pretty, sounding good, really gets in the singer's way. And I have a plethora of again tools to eliminate that focus. And again, it is not why a three-year-old sings. It's not why you sing in your car. It's not why you sing in your shower. You're not concerned about sounding good when you do that. And we want to have the fun that you're having in your bedroom, your living room, in the car, and share that with people on stage in a really highly you know, honed in and polished or focused kind of way. But it's essentially at its core the same thing. We want that freedom and fun. Mm. To me, that makes total sense. But I know when I first started... I felt like I needed to put on airs, you know what I mean, when I was yeah. on stage. And I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with that authenticity piece. Do you think a lot of artists, that's a stumbling block? Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's, again, that putting on airs is I need to be good and impress people. But nobody is coming to your show. No one puts on a record to be impressed. I mean, you go to the movies to laugh. You go to the movies to cry. You go to the movies to get scared. You go to the movies to feel something. I'm saying I'm, I'm giving an analogy of something outside of singing because you can, you know, but you put on a record to dance to, to cry to, to laugh to, you want to feel something. So the, the, oh, and this is really important. When every human being wants to be seen, wants to be heard for who they are. That is just the core of life. Human beings want to be seen for who they are. 
and a singer absolutely wants to be heard. <laughs> like there's no, you wouldn't be singing if you didn't want to be heard, right? Right. So if you are putting on airs or you're pretending to be something a little different than you actually are, or you're just not in that authentic space, what you're actually doing then is denying yourself the opportunity to be seen and heard because you're pretending to be something else. Mm. So that's a very painful place to be. You're actually denying yourself the thing you really want. And it's not on purpose. It's, it's usually a very unconscious thing. It's unconscious that you, you know, you don't, most singers don't realize they're trying to impress someone and, oh, this is getting in my way, mm. right? So we've got we've to change the focus and shift the focus back to your, what really matters to you as a, as a singer and a human. And that's that you're feeling it and you're having fun and you're expressing yourself. Mm. I love that. Well, I'd love for you to tell our listeners like the different kinds of um, programs that you have and the artist circles that you do. And are there any of them that are your favorite or do you love all of them for different reasons? Oh, I love them all. I'm, <laughs> I love the variety, but I also love what each thing does. So I, when I'm doing this, I love that. When I'm doing this, I love that. So the artist circle, uh, first and foremost, so the artist circle is a membership community. It's a creative society. And we do events in New York, Nashville, and Los Angeles every two months. Um, we are starting a satellite membership so that people who don't live in the cities where we do events uh, regularly. We've done pop-ups in Atlanta. We did a remote in Atlanta. I've done Moscow, New Zealand. Um, so the membership is going to have a satellite membership, which will provide a lot of uh, resources and material for artists to be connected to the community uh, in, in between events and if you're not in a place with events. Um, and then, like I said, I do pop-ups. So I'll do, I can do a remote anywhere where I'm on Skype and there's a group of artists. Uh, and this is all types of artists, ages 12 and up, all disciplines. Um, and you could think of it as life coaching meets 12-step meets artist development. Hmm. We work on the mind-body spirit of the creative. It's a network of creatives that can really support one another, collaborate and do work to help one another, um, share resources to help one another. So it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really wonderful. I love what is happening from it. The, like I said, the partnerships I see happening, the friendships, the collaborations. Um, I've, I've seen artists, instead of giving up, find the encouragement from the group that they're now, you know, they've released three singles. Now they're putting on their own shows. They're working on an EP. And like, this is one specific artist who's a member. Um, and she said, she said, you know, I've never received encouragement to think that I could actually do this. And she's wonderful. Like if we had, if we had lost her as a singer, we would have really lost something mm -hmm. beautiful in the world. Um, sometimes, I, I, again, in a room, there's been a three-time Grammy winner and someone writing their first song, and they both told me how inspiring it was to talk with one another. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And there's, there's photographers and there's painters and there's actors and uh, there's chefs. There's just all different kind, types of creatives. And, um, and so, yeah, on my website, there's the information about the events and joining as a member. And, um, and then I do seminars. So various, when I travel, uh, as I said, like I went to Moscow recently and I did a performance. I did a vocal technique seminar. I did a performance seminar. I did a vocal seminar for business, uh, for business, uh, people in business using their voice. Mm. And again, that's, that, that's important. I think that that's something that's needed too, because so many of us are teaching or on stage speaking and we, mm -hmm. if, if you don't know how to produce your voice, you can really 
screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's that aspect, right? Like there's just getting the voice to work aspect. And then again, there's the authenticity aspect. Like right. here's someone who maybe isn't a public speaker and like, well, how do I, like, what are some ways that I can ground myself and keep my composure and, and, and be effective in my communication when they're not comfortable speaking, right? Mm. So that, and then we did the artist circle and we had, we had 40 people at the artist circle in Moscow and we did a performance workshop and that's really about helping artists, um, at, again, define their, find their style, define their style, explore their style in, in songs. So I do, I travel and do multiple seminars like that. And then the artist circle is regularly in those three cities, Nashville, New York, and LA. That's awesome. And do you do social media? Can anyone find you on social media? Oh yeah. Wendy Parr. I'm on Instagram. Instagram is my most active because I love taking pictures and videos and I'm on tour uh, with the band Paris right now. So there's like backstage stuff there. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, there's a Wendy Parr official page on Facebook and Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, I have some Spotify playlists of songs that I thought I have either written or contributed on, on artists I work with and then artists that I love and find inspiring. So mm. all, of, all of the places. That's cool. And then of course, wendyparr.com, that's P-A-R-R, right? Yes. Awesome. So I encourage all of you guys to check that out. Um, even if you're not in LA, um, what were the places? LA, New York, and Nashville. Yep. Like she said, there's a satellite version that's starting. So check it out if you want to be inspired, if you've got some blocks, um, you know, if you just need the encouragement of other creatives, definitely check that out. Yeah. And we do. It really helps people be accountable and get great resources and information on how to accomplish the things they want to accomplish. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Wendy, for coming on and, and just sharing your wisdom. I especially loved hearing about, you know, your opinion about what makes an artist unique and how to unlock that. That was really, really enlightening to me. So well, thank you. I'm really glad to share. I appreciate you taking this time and, and asking for the interview. Thank you. You're welcome. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.